now bring you the Making Much of Jesus podcast featuring the late Dr. Jack Hudson, the founding pastor of the Northside Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And now today's edition of the Making Much of Jesus podcast. Have your Bible turn, if you will, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll begin that on our study on Shall We Know One Another in Heaven? And I want you to listen. Let your heart listen most of all. May the Holy Spirit of the living God give you something that you'll carry with you through eternity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm not reading a text, but I'm going to be using it as a text. You know, I've had many, many funerals, of course. I've had many people to say to me, Brother Hudson, Will we really know one another in heaven? What will it be like? I've had them ask all these questions. Well, number one, if we'd study our Bibles, I think we'd know them. And it always seemed to me, as I guess I've answered that question, only the Lord knows how many times. But did you know the strangest thing to me about it is that we don't really know one another here on the face of this earth. I know I've known people in my life, and so have you. And you say to yourself, I really know that person. I mean, I really know them. Then it was almost as if you were reading a book, and maybe you turn a page or two, if we were thinking of a book, and a year goes by, or two, or maybe it's a month. And you read then what that person's doing, and you can't believe it was the same person that you felt you really knew. I've had people to say to me, I've had, had them sitting in my office. I've had them sitting there with tears in their eyes, and they'd say, Brother Hudson, nobody would have ever made me believe that I would have ever done such a thing. I never would have believed. I thought I knew myself better than that. Beloved, I think one of the questions we really need to ask ourselves is, number one, do we know ourselves? Secondly, do we know each other? Then when it comes to the question, do, shall we know one another in heaven, that's far easier for me to answer because I can look into the Word of God and find the answers than it is, do we know one another or do we know ourselves? I've had wives say to me, I thought I knew my husband. I never thought he'd do this. I've had husbands say, I thought I knew my wife. I never believed she'd do this. I've had parents say, I brought them into the world and I thought I knew them. I never believed they'd ever do such a thing. Beloved, I want you to know at the beginning of this message that we do not know one another and we do not know ourselves. Now, I was taught in speech class, they said, if you, whatever you say, first of all, tell the people what you're going to say. Then say it. Then when you get through, tell them what you said. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say to start with. Yes, we will know one another in heaven. Now, I'm going to tell you how I know that. That's what I want you to stay with me in this Bible. Number one, in order to understand how we shall know one another in heaven and how we can know it beyond a shadow of a doubt, first we've got to consider the bodies in which we'll reside in heaven. That is, the bodies in which we'll live in heaven. What will they be like? Now, we must understand that if we're going to really understand the fact that we'll know one another in heaven. Now, 1 Corinthians now. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Notice it describes this body, and I'm going to be a little brief with it, but in chapter 15 and verse number 44, notice what it says. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. 
Therefore, I know then that in heaven I'm going to have a spiritual, and I want you to notice that next word, God doesn't put anything in the Bible, doesn't need to be there. It's going to be a body, B-O-D-Y. It's going to be a body, like a body that we've got. That is, I'll have two arms and two legs and a head and ears and eyes and nose. It's going to be a body. The only difference is it's going to be a spiritual body as opposed to a earthly or a natural body as we're living in now. I know that I'm going to have a body in heaven. Don't ever get decided that we're going to be angels. Nowhere in the Word of God does it teach that we, that is the saints of God, are going to be angels. The Bible says that we are far above angels. When God redeemed us by his grace, he saved us and lifted us far above the angels. We will not be angels. We will not be something like ghosts in heaven. We're going to have bodies. They're going to be spiritual bodies as opposed to earthly bodies. That is natural bodies, but they're going to be bodies. Now, that means then that we'll not be, that we'll not be limited to the things that are body, that is, to gravity and to matter and to lust and to evil. Because in a spiritual body, matter won't, that is, I could, you could walk through a wall. It means you'll be able to transcend space. It means that in a spiritual body, that we'll look like one another, but we'll have a spiritual body. All right, now look again. Look in verse number 43. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Now then, I know it's going to be a glorious body from the Lord. That means it'll be fall flawless. When the Lord says anything is glorious, it means flawless. It means there's no imperfection in it. There'll be no one there with a cut-off finger. There'll be no one there with a short leg or a short arm or deformities of any kind. There'll be no one there with dentures or eyeglasses or, or with bald heads or with... You keep naming it means that we're going to have a glorious body. It means that it's going to be perfect. It's going to be flawless. There'll be no spot. There'll be no blemish in it. We're going to have a flawless body. Now notice again, not only that, but look in verse 43 what it says. It is sown in dishonor and is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. That means it's going to be a dynamic body. That means a powerful body. I think it's worth time to turn in your Bibles a minute to the book of Ecclesiastes uh, for a moment. That's over, you know, you can always remember Psalms and Proverbs and so on. You can get it easier that way. But it's page 704 in your school for your Bible to help you find it. The book of Ecclesiastes, and I, I never think of this verse, but somehow I don't think about my father. My father was a great singer, wrote many gospel songs, used to go around great big deep bass voice. I can remember hearing him sing so many times in a land where we'll never grow old. Never grow old, never grow old in a land where we'll never grow old. In my childish mind, I couldn't comprehend that. Didn't mean too much for me because being young, it seemed to me like it was an eternity away if, if ever I'd ever have need of such a city. But as his years have come and gone and as they've laid their fingers upon my a body, so to speak, and as I grow older, now I can understand what my dad sang a little better. In a land where we'll never grow old. Listen to what it says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. He's advising us there, that's page, yes, 704, page 704, Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. 
Remember now the Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Notice now, come to verse number three to save time. In the day when the keeper of the house shall tremble. This is talking about our bodies. When you get old, many times have you seen people try to drink their coffee and their hands shake a little. Sometimes a little of it spills down the front of their clothing. Their house has begun to get old. Their hands have begun to tremble. The house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves. They won't be as erect as they were when they were young. They'll begin to bend over a little and you'll see their step is not, doesn't have the spring in it that it did at one time. And the grinders shall cease because they're few. In other words, they'll not be able to do the work they once did. Those that look out of the window shall be darkened. In other words, when they look out, they'll not be able to see. I've been to old people and they'd have on thick glasses and maybe they've had cataracts removed or maybe needed to. And they'd look at you and they'd hold their eyes up to where they could see through their bifocals and they'd wait till you got a little closer. And the Lord said there's coming a time when, uh, when the, windows, uh, the windows will be darkened and the door shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. He shall rise up at the voice of the birds and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high and fear shall be in the way, the almond tree shall flourish and the grasshopper shall be a burden. In other words, the burdensome things of the world. And, um, and desire shall fail because man goeth to his long house and the mourners go about the street. Or ever the silver cord shall be loosed or the golden bowl be broken or the pitcher be broken at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern. He's simply saying that you're going to get old on the face of this earth. But the Bible says that when we go to be with the Lord, we're going to have a glorious body and a body that's dynamic, that is a powerful body, a body that'll never know what it is to age a day. Never again will their line be in your face. Never again will you have a hair to come loose. Never again will you lose a spring in your step. Never again will you know what it is to look out of the windows of your eyes, as they say sometimes that they're windows of our soul, and it be darkened. You'll be able to see for all eternity. You'll be able to hear. Never again will there need to be a hearing aid. Never again will we know what it is to get old. There's a blessing and a privilege and there's a dignity about growing old. But there's something I've thought about many times of becoming infirm. And that's something God's promised us there. In a land where we'll never grow old in these bodies. Notice something else about it. Look at verse number 53 now in 1 Corinthians 15. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. You see, we're mortal beings. That means we're subject to die. It's subject to decay. It's subject to deterioration. But he says this mortal must put on immortality. It means there'll never be any more death. It means that never again will we say to somebody, be careful, you may get killed. You'll catch your death of cold. Never again will that be in our vocabulary. Never again will you, if phone ring in the middle of the night and they say someone has just passed away. Never again. Never again will we go to the cemetery. Never again will we dig a grave. Never again shall we buy the, the wreaths and, the, and the, the expression, the floral expressions of our love and, and sympathy. Never again will we have to buy black dresses for the widows and 
Never again will we have to provide for little fatherless boys and girls. Never again. God said in the land of a fadeless day, in a land that, where we'll never grow old, in a land where this mortal shall put on immortality and death shall forever be abolished. Never again will hearts be broken. Never again will faces be lined with tears because one of their loved ones died. Never again will be that thought in your heart, what will we do when one of the other dies? I see men today whose wives have died and left them. And my heart goes out to them. I see wives whose husbands have gone. Several years ago, I was called one morning. I went to the house as quickly as I could. Man had died with a heart attack. His wife sat there, she'll never forget. As long as God gives me memory, I'll never forget what she said. She sat looking out. She was mopping the tears with her handkerchief. And she was looking out of the window. I couldn't see what she was seeing. And she said, he just retired. And he'd bought him a tractor. I think that's what she could see out of the window. She said, he just bought him a tractor. Now he's gone. She said, it's like a little child who've left their toys. I never will forget that. I've preached funerals of, oh, I, the oldest person I've ever buried was over 100 years old. I buried little stillborn babies and about every age in between. But when I bury a man's wife, it does something to me. I know that he's going to be separated. Thank God. I can live and I can preach and tell people about a land where never again will you be separated by death. That's why this is so exciting. That's what I want a hundred of you men to join me Thursday night. And let's go tell people about a land where you'll never grow old, where you'll never be poor, where there'll be no social classes, where there'll be no, where there'll be no separation, where there'll be times of together forever and ever and ever. Now that's the bodies. It's going to be a spiritual body. It's going to be a glorious body. It's going to be a powerful body. It's going to be an immortal body. I want you to think about not only in this, consider the bodies in which we shall reside. First of all, I've given in just the, the, the heavenly bodies. Now think about the heavenly likeness. What will we look like in heaven? Or oh, you'll hear and you'll see and you'll hear people talk about every conceivable thing under the sun. But the Word of God doesn't give but one picture of what we'll be like in heaven. And again, as I say, we'll not look like angels. We'll not look like ghosts. We'll not look like anything that you've ever thought up in your mind. I'll tell you exactly what the Word of God says we'll look like. We've already been explained in the Bible what we shall be. The Bible says we shall look like Jesus. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 again. Verse number 49, And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now here's what he's saying. You have in you right now, just as I do, the image of the earthy. That is, we're human beings. Now we don't all have the same number of eyelashes. We don't all have our earlobes. may not be the same centimeters, you know. And we could go on for hours discussing, but we're human beings. Normally speaking, we have two arms and two legs. We have a brain. We have a mind. We can see and we can hear. We're human beings. We have borne the image of the earthy. 
But he said, then we shall bear the image of the heavenly. Just as you and I took upon us our racial sires, that is, through our fathers and mothers, we took upon us the way that God planned for us to look. When we go to be with the Lord, we're going to have a body that he has given to us. We're going to look just like him. We're going to be just like Jesus. I don't believe we're going to be robots. I don't believe we'll have all have the same number of eyelashes in heaven. But it means that we're going to look like Jesus. We're going to have eyes and ears and a nose and a mouth. We're going to look like Jesus. That's what he's talking about. Now, in the Bible says, let me turn for just a minute. I'll not wait on you, but in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 2, the Lord gives us a little description of what we're going to be like. And beloved, now we are the sons of God. Right now, get that in your mind. Right now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're going to be like Jesus. Listen, let me turn again now to the book of Philippians, chapter number uh, 3 and verse number 20. Philippians chapter 3. Oh, there's so many scriptures I could bring you here, but each one of them, I think, needs a study all of its own. Listen to what it has to say in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 20. The Bible says, Now unto God and our Father in glory forever. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm sorry. Philippians 3. And it says that he shall change and fashion this vile body liken unto his glorious bodies. Oh, beloved, what a time of fellowship we're going to have with the Lord. And the thing that I want you to see that we're going to look like Jesus and we're not going to be limited just as he was not limited. Have you ever thought about this? The Lord Jesus Christ in his glorified body, which our body shall be like. He didn't have to unwrap the grave clothes. He didn't have to move the napkin. He literally came through the grave clothes, meaning that he was not subject to matter. The Bible says that he came out of the tomb, and you know that studied your Bible, the, the stone was not rolled away that he could get out, but rather the stone was rolled away that the disciples could get in. He didn't need anybody to roll the stones away. He could transcend matter. That is, he walked through the wall. Every time I go to the garden tomb and stand there, I wonder in my mind just which place he went through. You couldn't find a scratch or a scar. It didn't need it. For in our glorified bodies that'll be just like Jesus, we'll be able to walk through just like he did. Then the Bible says he not only came out of the tomb, but the Bible says he entered the being in the upper room for fear of the Jews with the doors locked, Jesus stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't need to unlock doors in his glorified body. I'm going to have a body just like that. Then the Bible says again that uh, he could conceal or reveal himself. He revealed himself, you remember, to Mary. He revealed himself to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He walked along, and they, all they could see was a man. They talked to him and conversed with him and walked with him for several miles. Then the Bible says, and Jesus revealed himself unto them. He could conceal himself, or he could reveal himself. That's exactly the kind of body that we're going to have. And yet in that body, he spoke in an audible voice. They could hear him speak, just as you and I can hear one another now. The Bible says he cooked fish for his disciples. The Bible says he ate with his disciples. 
I want you to get you to see that's the kind of body that we're going to have. Now, you must then not only consider the bodies in which we're going to reside in heaven, but you must understand or consider the minds with, with which we will function in heaven. Again, we're going to have a mind just like the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Again, it says, in the beginning, God. Or in the beginning was the Word in John chapter 1 now. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And a W-R-D there means the Logos, the Greek word for wisdom. You see, with God, there is nothing that God can learn. There is nothing that God doesn't know. There can be no surprises to God. God knows everything. He's omniscient, all-knowing. God cannot be deceived. God cannot be fooled. God cannot be surprised. And I'm going to have a mind just like the mind of Jesus. Even here he admonishes us, let this same mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. But oh, the best that we can do here now, our minds are contaminated and filled with the things of the world. It's filled with the things of sin has brought to us and it's lying there, it's done its damage, so to speak. Thank God through him we can salvage them. But that day I shall have a mind just like the mind of God. Beloved, I thank him. I remember one time a question came to me. Probably you knew it the first time you ever heard it, but I didn't. I was thinking one time, and the devil probably helped me. Now, if God could forget my sins, why couldn't he forget my salvation? And I thought about that. That was a theological question, but I wanted to get it in my mind. I just wanted it fixed. If God had the ability to forget my sin, why could he not then forget my salvation? I was, years ago, up in, right along the Susquehanna River, up in Pennsylvania, in a meeting. Bob Wigdon was there singing for me in the revival meeting. It was there all week. We were together. I was sitting there. Bob didn't know I even, had even thought that. And they said, uh, our brother Wigdon comes and brings a song. He got up and sang a song I never heard before. I've never heard since. But I'll tell you, when he sang it, God answered my question. God satisfied my soul, for he stood that great big voice. He sang, God remembers to forget. I said, glory to God, that's it. God remembers to forget. And when God looks at me, he doesn't remember any sin in, in which I've ever committed in all my life. They're behind God's back, never to be remembered against me anymore. But brother, God can't forget. But there isn't anything God doesn't know. And you and I shall have the same, the same mind of God. Listen to what he says. I know my sheep, and they hear my voice, and they follow me. I know my sheep. Aren't you glad God knows us? Aren't you glad God knows the street where you live and back in that house? Maybe some of you listening by the means of radio, and maybe your house is on the back street, and maybe it's not too well appointed, and maybe, maybe it's not furnished and, and refurbished as it ought to be, maybe, but God knows where you live. I like that poem James Weldon Johnson wrote, one that go down death. And he said, call me death. And death came on that pale horse. 
And he said, he came up and he said, go down to Yamacraw and get Sister Caroline. She's borne the heat of the day and she's labored long in my vineyard. Go and bring her to me. And there was no sound, James Weldon Johnson said, as that rider of the pale horse made his way. And he came into the room and there was no sound. And he picked up Sister Caroline in his loving arms. And up beyond the morning star, and up beyond the sun, all the way into the throne of glory. And he laid Sister Caroline in the loving arms of Jesus. And he said, take your rest. Take your rest. Oh, listen. God never forgets us. God knows us. I'm going to have a mind just like God. I'm going to know one another. I'll know everybody that Jesus knows. If you know Jesus, I'll know you. And if you know Jesus, you'll know me. I know my sheep. I'm going to know every person God knows. Oh, won't that be a blessing when you think about it. Then, you know, there's not only in Jesus, but there's an unmistakable identity. Did you know as individuals we're going to stand before an individual? Now, God's an individual apart from his handiwork. God's not part of nature. God's not part of the universe. God created the universe, and God created nature. I remember many years ago, we had a book came to our school for us to examine and see if we could teach it. Open it up. I never shall forget it. First page I turned to it. It showed a picture of a little boy, a little Jewish boy, long hair, a little sissy-looking hair, and he was looking at a rose. And the caption under it, for about the second grade, said, Jesus learns of a rose. I slammed the book, and I said, no, sir, it won't do. Jesus doesn't need to learn of a rose. He made the rose. He is the rose. He's the lily of the valley and the bright and the morning star. And he knows us. He knows his sheep. And I'm going to know who God knows. And, and you're going to know who God knows. And we'll know one another because of the minds that we're going to have in heaven that's going to be just like the Lord. Now the Bible says in the book of Revelations chapter 20, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And every man was judged according to the things written in the book. Every man. Unsaved people are going to stand before an individual God as individuals. Every man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, listen to what the Lord says concerning the Christians now. I want you to see it. I want you to know it. Get it in your mind. Don't forget it. Now if any man, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 12, now if any man built upon this foundation's gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hair, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest because it shall be declared because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be reburned he shall suffer loss yet he himself shall be saved yet so is by fire. As Christians we're going to give an account individually. That means that God knows us. He knows us as individuals. God knows your name. God knows mine. And when we stand before the Lord, if you're unsaved, you're going to stand before the God, before God at the great white throne judgment. 
You're going to give an account. You're going to be judged according to your works, according to your degree of punishment in hell. If you're born again, you're going to stand there at the judgment seat of Christ, the beam of the rewarding stand, as individuals. God knows us. We're going to have the mind of God, therefore we'll know one another. And then there's positive identification. The Lord Jesus Christ in his glorified body said, Mary, and she said, Rabboni, that is, Master, she recognized the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to the disciples. They knew him and understood him. And then when Peter stood on the Mount of the Transfiguration, he recognized Moses and Elijah, the one had been dead a thousand years, the other 700, and they stood there and he recognized instantly. He said, Lord, it's good to be here. Let us build three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. God gives us a mind that knows and understands. Then very briefly and lastly, Listen, now, consider our relationship one to another in heaven. I guess right here, Christian, listen to me. If you forget everything else I said, listen to me now. Listen with both your ears. I've had people say they, you know, they love their husband, love their wife, and God in his infinite wisdom and mercy took them away. And maybe now God has led them to somebody they can love and have companionship with. And they say, but what will it be like when they get to heaven? What will it be like? Will I have two husbands or two wives or so on? Listen. We're going to have a body like unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Let God speak to your heart. Let God say it to you through me, will you? Listen. We're going to have a body like the body of Jesus Christ. You see, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, in that body, he loved everybody. He didn't love their sin, but he loved everybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and so God loved everybody. Secondly, the Lord Jesus Christ never married. Number three, the Lord Jesus Christ didn't father any children. God gave that as a natural. God gave that in our natural bodies. It's right naturally. It's right physically to fall in love. It's right physically to get married. It's right physically to have children. But we're going to lay that physical body down in the grave and we're going to have a new and a glorified spiritual body, likened unto the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have a love just like the love of God for everybody. We love one another just as much as God loves one, one of us. God is not a respecter of persons. Then there will be no marriages in heaven. God says, in heaven we neither marry nor give in marriage. There will be no children born in heaven. We'll be perpetually Useful, we were perpetually powerful and immortal. And it could be that theoretically they asked the question. They said literally because of death a woman had seven husbands. Whose wife would she be in the resurrection? I can answer that question according to the word of God. She'll not look at them as husbands. She'll look at them with the same love that the Lord Jesus Christ looked at them. They'll know one another. They'll love one another. These bodies are subject to lust and subject to evil. Those bodies are not. It's not a physical relationship there. It's a spiritual relationship. Oh, what a relief it is when you know these things from the Word of God. How or then will shall we know one another in heaven? I said it first. Yes, I've tried to say to you. I'm going to say it again. We will know one another in heaven. I'll have a mind that will know everybody that God knows. If he doesn't know you, 
Number one, you won't be in heaven. Secondly, I wouldn't know you. I know my sheep, and they hear my voice, and they follow me. I want to talk to you about what is heaven really like? I'll maybe come up with a better title, but what is heaven like? What is the city like to where we're going to spend eternity? That'll be the last in my series of four We thank you for listening to the Making Much of Jesus podcast. If this sermon was a blessing to you, please share and invite others to listen. And join us next time for the Making Much of Jesus podcast.